from Bayside Church International Victor Harbour. This is Chad Mansbridge. Well, the kids are here. That's good because I want to talk about kids today. Kind of. I want to take your mind back to October 2001. Too hard. It's pretty hard, isn't it? The Twin Towers had just come down. Uh, Mr. Howard was campaigning against Kim Beasley for his third term in office. Do you remember when Prime Ministers, we had them for more than two years? Do you remember, remember those days? That was, that was one of those. Uh, one is third term. Uh, the I, Apple just brought out the very first iPod in uh, late 2001. Kylie Minogue was... Well, we couldn't get her out of our heads at this time of year. That's how old that song is. And for us, we had our first baby. And we called him... Jesse. And the name Jesse was one that we kind of uh, always wanted, I think, for a boy. We kind of chose Jesse because uh, it would suit a boy, but we thought it would also suit like an 80-year-old man. You know, just imagine a Jesse when he's 80 years of age. And also, I, you know, I was, grew up in the church and there was a Pentecostal preacher around that I, my parents used to listen to called Jesse. Anyone remember Jesse? Jesse. And so maybe that's why we like Jesse. But the name Jesse means uh, God's gift, the gift of God. And then we, you needed to choose a second name for your kid, right? So we chose a family name, a uh, family middle name, my father's middle name. So we chose the name James. So our firstborn is Jesse James. And at the time... I was working at Westfield Marion. I was selling phones for, for a mobile phone company and I had a client, a customer, who was American. And, um, and she'd, I'd served her before and she knew my wife was pregnant, about to give birth, blah, 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 blah. So Jessie is born and then she comes back that week before I take paternity leave and she says, how is your wife going? Did you have a baby? I said, yeah, yeah, we had a baby, we had a son. What's his name? And when I told her that we called him Jesse James, I kid you not, she was genuinely offended. Like, truly upset. And this is in the 90s. You know, we didn't even know what offence culture was back then. But apparently, she was genuinely offended that we'd call our kid, uh, name him after an outlaw, murderous train, you know, napping outlaw. I just thought, you know, I could have called him Ned Kelly and Australians would have got that. But anyway, we called our kid Jesse James. But listening to... Maureen speak here last weekend. She's told this story or three stories of three miraculous babies and it gave me a great idea for today. I thought, I wonder if there's any folk here in our church that have specifically named their children certain things because of the meaning of that name, not just because it's in a famous American outlaw, but maybe there's people here who have specifically chosen names that have meaning. So I just want to invite four people up. Would you please put your hands together for Luke and for Rachel and for Malcolm and Ben, come to the front now. And uh, you're going to watch a miracle happen here. These guys are going to share a story in less than 30 seconds. Where... We're going to start with Luke. Why don't you come up here just for, um, you know, well, you're tall enough, but whatever. All of you come up. Come on, come on, come on. Because uh, we've also got the parents watching back there. Luke's got three kids. All of them are named after Bible, their Bible names. All of them. Tell us about your third child, whose name is? Levi. 
And Levi, for most of us, you would know that's a pretty famous Bible name. In the Bible, we've got Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Levi. So a whole tribe of the nation of Israel came from this name, Levi. But why did you call your kid Levi? Right. So as a lot of you would know, our son has kidney trouble and was born with kidney disease. And so we were after quite a powerful name. We knew this before he was going to be born that he would have trouble so we're looking for a strong powerful name and so we actually named him after leviathan in the bible the great sea creature because um well one of the reasons was because god put out a warning about leviathan that if you lay one hand upon him you'll long remember the battle that ensues and you will never try it again <laughs> Don't touch his son. All right, there's a warning for you. So hence came the name Levi. Thanks, East Luke. Rachel, some people name their kids after Bible uh, people, and you'd thought about doing that. Is that right? What happened then? Yeah, so when I was... Oh, no, I wasn't even pregnant at the time. God um, just gave me this download of our first two... I haven't got... I'm not pregnant. Our first two <laughs> kids' names. And... Um, um, like they're like a prophetic word of their their life and their calling and he told me about Xander he didn't say name your kid Xander he just gave me the word and he he was telling me you know Xander's calling he says now you're not going to name your son a bible name because of his influence is going to be in a secular environment I suppose um and his influence isn't going to be in that realm. And I'm telling you this now because you're not going to like where I'm going to be taking him. And when he comes to tell you what his calling is, you're going to say no. So I'm telling you so that you'll listen to me and you'll let him do you know, the, what I've set out for him. So he, um, I, when I was pregnant, we were looking through the Bible names and we, we picked one from the Bible and I'm like, I just don't feel right about this. And I think I was about eight months pregnant and I came home. I'm like, what about Xander? Jake's like, oh, what does it mean? So we looked it up and it means protector of the people. And I'm like, that fits with his calling um, for sure. And then his middle name is Cruz, which means crucifix. So I felt like that was really significant with his calling as well. Wow, awesome. Thank you. Rachel and Xander. Ben, I'm going to go to you next. You've got two boys now, and um, your second one, you found out, we won't tell the whole story now, but also, like Luke, you found out there was potentially some medical issues with that second one, but God had already spoken to you about your kids' names as well before you were pregnant. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's Before correct. you were pregnant. Yeah, that's but. correct. Um, <laughs> this is my first <laughs> firstborn, is Magnum, but our second son, uh, his name is... Sterling, we, we named it him. Uh, we, uh, when we were, were dating, we picked the names for our kids. And uh, so when uh, Kate was pregnant with uh, the second uh, baby, we, named, we, we decided to name him Sterling. Sterling means, for, uh, means um, pure, uh, f uh, refined, and um, higher quality. And um, when we found out that uh, through the scan that we had uh, genetic problems, they reckon it was a genetic problem, and um, so to a point where they was very serious of talking about aborting a baby and all that sort of things. And we, we decided we're not going to do anything like that, but we're going to hold on to uh, you know that name that we got. It's going to be a pure, and it's going to be refined, and it's going to be a high quality genetic. 
and we, we believe that's what God given us that baby and we pray and we believe and uh, he was born and it was a miracle baby and he was perfect genetically he's nothing wrong with him and but the doctor thought he was uh, you know he, 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 there was something wrong with his genetic but uh, because we, we chose that name we held on to that name and we believe that God's going to bring us through and uh, that's that's why we held on to that name Sterling brilliant great story and um Sometime in uh, late February, these guys are going to dedicate Sterling here in one of our services, so we might uh, extrapolate on that story a little bit more now. Okay, so about 11 and a half years ago, we um, had a miscarriage, and um, it was, uh, you know, miscarriages are quite significant in your life, um, and uh, being um, in that place, we had a really good friend, um, Mark Boehm, who said, look, I'm just really feeling Psalm um, 40 verse 2 over you. I've taken you, your feet out of the mire and set your feet on a solid rock. And uh, we, we um, then moved to Victor Harbour because we tried again for ages, couldn't, nothing happened. Um, Chad and Jay were like praying day and night, but they were, they were praying for us significantly. And uh, we arrived here. Yeah. Nighttime, I'm, I'm off a of duty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but we arrived here, and within uh, about eight months, Moni was pregnant. And uh, we did the spiritual thing, not, and just thought, well, what would be some nice names for our son? We know that we've got to do the Scottish thing and name the boy in the, uh, from the, my father, so we named him Graham in the, the Scottish spelling, which is G-R-A-E-M-E, which is a, a Celtic name. And the first name was Brody, which is English, which my dad didn't like at all, but that didn't matter. <laughs> um, and we thought, oh, that's a really, really nice name, and we'll name him that. And then it occurred to me after a while, I went, oh, gee, we should really find out what these names mean. And because um, we, we just named them because it sounded good and it had a nice ring to it. Um, and then we found out that Brody actually means... Maya, and we went, oh no, that's not a great name to name him. Um, but then we found out that Graham means rock of the family. One of the names means rock of the family. And then it dawned on us that he'd taken us out of miry clay and set our feet on a solid rock. So even though we weren't up to it as far as names, God, God was there and said, no, no, his name is significant. So Awesome. Let's give that to Rob. Just to Rob, yeah. How good's that? So what's in a name? Well, if you live in Hollywood, it doesn't seem to make mean a great deal. How's these for three names? Northwest, Kim Kardashian and Kane West. Rocket Zot, anyone know who Rocket Zot is? Sam Worthington and Lara Bingle's kid. Oh, and talk about kid, there's a third name. Kid. When you just can't think, it's like calling your dog dog, really, isn't it? Kid, that's uh, David Duchovny and Taylioni. How about these four sisters? Fifi Trixabel, Peaches Honey Blossom, Pixie, and Heavenly Harani Tiger Lily. They're the four daughters of uh, the late Paula Yates. And these three sisters here, how do you like these? Poppy Honey, Daisy Boo, and Petal Blossom Rainbow. Does anyone know whose girls they are? Yeah? Jamie Oliver. So if you get a cookbook from Jamie Oliver tomorrow... It might be, just don't take a name, a name book from him. There's a, a royal 
In England, often the trends, as some of you Brits would know, follows the royal family. So recently, in recent history, the name George has uh, spiked up again with the new prince and Charlotte. Uh, Princess Charlotte was obviously born not that long ago. And Oliver and Olivia are the two most popular names for boys and girls. However, in the UK at the moment, if you add up the three different spellings, Muhammad is actually the number one baby name in the UK. An obvious uh, sign of the times in UK. There are, of course, if you're naming a child, certain names that are off limits. There is no way that you name your kid the name of an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend. I'm pretty sure that's, that's basically a bit of a, a no-go zone. So for Jay and I, of course, we, it didn't really matter for girls' names because, you know, she's my only, my only girlfriend. So no names are off limits there, as far as the girls go. We had a few less boys' names to choose from, I must say. Um, obviously, you don't name your kid after a bully or a brat at school. If there was someone that really annoyed you at school, you definitely don't name your kid that. And then there's certain, you know, uh, celebrities that you just avoid. I, somehow, I don't think Donald and Hillary are very, you know, would be baby names in America right now. You kind of stay away from names like that. And then, of course, some people have multiple names. I want to show you a photo. This is my sister, who I'm going to see in Hobart this week for Christmas. And my brother-in-law, now my sister, her name, birth name was Su Yong. She was born in Korea to Korean parents. So her birth name was Su Yong, but when we adopted her at 18 months of age, our parents thought, you know, to help assimilate into, you know, Australian society and, and Victor Harbour is where we live, we grew up then. So very, very Caucasian area down here for those who are visiting. So she thought, you know, having a kid named Su Yong is probably not the best thing for her school life. So they renamed her and her name's Laura. So we call her Laura. She married a Greek. And George's name is Georgios by birth. And none of us, of course, call him that. His name is simply George. And they've got four kids. And they've got three girls and one boy. And their boy, they named Dinos. Now, my mum... <coughs> refuses to call him Dinos. Number one, because it's just too Greek, right? Just too Greek sounding. And um, I can't call him Dinos. But number two, my brother's called Dean. So my mum got that name first. <laughs> and there is no way we're having two Deans in the same family. My Dean is Dean. And so she calls Dinos a whole nut. She calls him Jimmy. And so my nephew has two names, Dinos or Jimmy. Jimmy's got nothing, it's just my mum's preference. I want to call him Jimmy, so that's his name. Some people have multiple names. And I mention this because years ago at a Christmas function, I was with my, my cousin, my, an older cousin, and we're chatting around, drinking barbecue and all that type of thing. And these are the type of the family you only see once every five years, right? And he says to me, so Chad, I was at a kid's concert school play this this week and they read out something in the play that talking about the baby and they said his name will be called Emmanuel and he said but I thought his name was Jesus and when he said that I had to resist laughing because I thought dude come on 
course his name was Jesus, Emmanuel. But then I quickly had to stop myself and realize, no, 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 this is a very innocent comment from a cousin who's older than me that has absolutely zero Bible literacy and just did not know. When he was at a school play and they said the child should be called Emmanuel, he really struggled with that. Hang on, I thought his name was Jesus. I mean, he'd never sworn <laughs> saying Emmanuel, right? So he only knew Jesus' name. And so I had to explain that to him. But I want to read this scripture. It comes from Matthew, and it's where these two names come together. This is the story. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Hmm, someone's got emails open. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph... Her fiancé was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Not your fault, nobody else's. God's in charge, all right? Verse 21. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus, we say Jesus, okay, but it's, that's a bit of a take on the Greek uh, rendering. In the Hebrew, the, the, the language they would have spoken was Joshua, okay? So it comes from the word Joshua, basically, all right? So Yeshua or Joshua. If you really wanted to be strict, you know, we wouldn't sing, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. We would sing, what a beautiful name it is, the name Yeshua, but we don't want to be too weird. But anyway, so, so Yeshua means the Lord will save. And so the angel saying, call him Yeshua, call him Jesus, because he will save people from their sin. And then the next verse says, and all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet Isaiah. This was spoken five, six hundred years earlier. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And that name means God is with us. Two names, Jesus and Emmanuel. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife, but he didn't have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. And like every pastor, you want to choose a passage of scripture like this that mentions sex just on the day when the kids are in the room so your parents have something else to do this Christmas weekend. The Where Did I Come From book, that makes a good Christmas present, I think, still. That's still valid, isn't it? <laughs> Two names. Thank, yeah, thanks. Thank you very much. Two, um, Two names revealed of this baby in this story. Jesus, which means he will save, Yeshua, he will save people from their sins, and Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And unlike maybe Scottish culture or English culture or whatever else, in Hebrew culture, the names that they chose were pretty darn important. They just didn't choose names because they sounded good. Oh, yeah, Jesse James has a good ring to it. They didn't, didn't just choose names because of the sound. They really chose names because of the deeper meaning. And I hope that today all of us leave with a greater sense of respect and awareness of these two names. Jesus, the one who saves from sin, and Emmanuel, who is God with us.
sin, quite simply, it's a term that in English anyway is used by archers, and when they miss the mark, that shot is called a sin. Easy way to understand it. Sin essentially is missing a mark. The condition of sin is about being separate from God. The consequence of sin is about not enjoying or knowing with genuine reality and intimacy the presence of God, to experience his nearness, to experience his reality, to experience his intimacy. And so these two names work really well together because when Jesus removes that sin, we draw near to God with a full, a heart that is fully assured that we can come near to him, that God is with us and sin is no longer an issue. These two words work so well like that. And like anything in the scripture, this story fits into a historical time and place. It's an ageless story. We, in the next two days, it's going to be told multiple thousands, if not millions of times around the world. It's an ageless story, but it's told in a certain time and place. And as we just read there in the scripture, it said, his name is Yeshua because he will save his people from their sin. His people. God is with us. The direct historical context of this was in a Hebrew society. That was the nationality, if you like, of the people that Jesus was born into. And these were people that historically had known God with them. Uh, it started essentially with Charlton Heston in, uh, Moses in the, in the story of the Exodus. God's people were under the oppressive rule of the pharaohs in, in Egypt. And as many of you would understand the story, at least seen the movie, they come out of Egypt led by Moses and they don't just come out of Egypt, which is a picture of being saved from something, rescued from something. But they come to be with God. And they meet him at a mountain. And the, one of the first things God speaks to them is he says, Listen, I've brought you this far to bring you to myself. I haven't brought you here to give you a list of rules. I haven't brought you here to take you to a special land, primarily. Primarily, I've brought you out of Egypt to bring you to me. I brought, bring you to me. Relationship to God was number one. I want you to be with me. And the story of God's people there is that they had a dramatic display of God being with them. They built a tent where they met with God. And it says after they built that tent, and they basically have church, okay? It's a coin of phrase. They have church in this tent. And it says as they did, God appeared with fire and clouds of smoke. I mean, it was a dramatic display of his presence. God was saying, I'm with you. Later on, through a guy called David, who killed Goliath, that whole story, okay? David builds a temple, not just a tent that you can move around, but a solid temple that people could come to. Again, basically so they could have church. And when they finish building this temple, God comes in dramatic display of clouds and fire. God is with his people. Eventually, that temple gets destroyed. God's people are scattered because of a whole lot of different issues and situations. They come back and they rebuild the temple. But when they rebuild the temple, God doesn't come. When they rebuild the temple, Temple 2.0, there's no fire, there's no cloud, there's no presence. It's like God had left the building. And so in this environment, and this happens all around the world, where you have a religion but no sense of God's presence, you have all form, but no substance. And so historically, God's people now for generations live with all the form, but they didn't have the weightiness of God's reality with them. 
Yeah? They didn't have the presence of God with them in that very special way. And so when this prophecy is fulfilled, there's a day coming when God is going to be with you again. Not just religion. No, no, no. Genuine presence and relationship once more. God comes to be with his people. And he doesn't come this time in fire or smoke. Not yet anyway. 50, you know, a couple of years later that happens. He doesn't come that way. And he doesn't come as a military leader or as a man like Moses that can stand up in front of now the Romans who are oppressing God's people, not the Egyptians, but a whole other group of people oppressing God's people. He doesn't come as a political leader with a sword. He comes as a baby. Because this is what God's people were waiting for. They were waiting for another exodus. They were like, we're, it's like we're in Egypt again. A couple of thousand years, like 1,400 years later, it's like we're in Egypt, but this time it's the Romans that are oppressing us. They need someone to rescue them. And the prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus will save his people like Moses did. And God will be with you once again. But not coming as a political leader, not coming as a military leader, not coming like Genghis Khan, not coming like a conqueror. He came as a baby. He came in a humble way with a gentle invitation to say, I've come all this way. Now will you make a step toward me? I'm not going to force you because this is all about relationship. I'm not going to force you because relationship is a two-way street. I'll come from heaven. I'll make that massive journey to you. Now will you come to me and respond accordingly? See, some people say, you know, all religions are the same. Come on. It's all like you're climbing the same mountain. You're all trying to reach God at the top. All right, come on. You're, you're walking the Christian path. And over here, there's someone else walking another religious path. And they've just got another name for their path. All right, that's all it is. Okay. And then over here, you've got another religion. And, and at the end of the day, you're all going to the same place. You're all saying, going to the same God. You're all trying to make your way to God. And in a sense, that is true. But Christianity is not a religion. Because the story of Christianity, what we remember at Christmas, is not the story of men working their way to try to reach God. It's not us working our way up to reach heaven. As we sung earlier, it's heaven coming down. It's God coming down from his mountain. It's God coming down the mountain and coming to us. And he doesn't just come to us at the bottom of the mountain. He comes to us in the pit of our despair. And he reaches down. He stretches out his hand. And it's up to us whether or not we take hold of it. Christianity is not just another religion. Religion formed with that substance. No, no, no. We are talking about a relationship with God who is with me. A God who is genuinely and truly amongst us. Because the issue of sin has been taken away. And that's what the whole Easter story is about. Jesus dying so that heaven's courts could say, he took the penalty in our place. So sin is no longer held against us when we respond to him. And so I want to encourage you to respond to him today. He came all this way and he's asking you just to take one step forward. This can be another Christmas for you. This can be another religious holiday. It can be another summer holiday, hopefully by Wednesday. It can just be another church service. Or this could be your day where Emmanuel is God with you, not just God with them. 
I like to talk about the ABCs of responding to him. A is to simply acknowledge him. The opposite of acknowledging someone is to ignore them. How many of you know what it's like to be ignored by someone? Okay, yeah, well, I do. <laughs> ignored. Someone knows you're there and they just walk straight past you. Opposite of being, some people live their whole life with Jesus like that. That's why we say happy holidays and not Merry Christmas. It's our nice, subtle, cultural way of saying, I'm ignoring him. Ignore that. I'm just ignoring that. No, stop ignoring him. Acknowledge him. B, believe he is who he said he is. Believe he is the one who saves people from sin. And believe he is the one that brings God near to us. Believe in him. A, acknowledge him. B, believe he is who he says he is. And then C, just begin to cooperate with him. Begin to cooperate. Begin to reciprocate. Begin to respond. And one of the first ways we cooperate with him, there's a Bible verse that says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, and then you confess with your mouth. C, confess with your mouth. Jesus, you are the one that saves me from sin. Jesus, you are God with me. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. You can enter into a right standing relationship with him and know that he is God with you. Acknowledge him. Believe that he is who he says he is and begin to cooperate with him. Today could be your day. Just you turn your attention to the screen? And I've uh, just got another quick video to show about Emmanuel. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart, wherever you are. Lord, and often what is a, some call the silly season, for some a stressful season. For some of us a time where we reflect on a year. For some of us a time where we, for the first time, celebrate with loved ones not being with us. Lord, today we take a moment to pause and be aware of God with us. To be aware of Emmanuel. Thank you for coming. And as importantly, thank you for being. Thank you for remaining. Thank you for not leaving us like orphans abandoned. But for ongoingly presencing yourself with us. Lord, I pray for every heart here that we would know your presence more. This would be a season where your name means something to us. It doesn't just sound good. Your name means something to me. So Dad, I pray, send your spirit and reveal yourself to everybody here in this room in increasing measure. Heaven's calling. Technology. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
2011, I was in Rebecca's lounge room, the, the woman who wrote this song in Reading, and she was working on songs, and she said, Would you, do you want to hear the songs I'm working on? And this was one of them. And we sat in a lounge room while I stood by the piano. She sang this, this song, and I thought the, the stuff that was coming out of her heart was unbelievable. And, but Rebecca's one of these people who has a deep understanding of who God is. And so the name of God being Emmanuel, God being with us, is, is built into the song. Absolutely. So what do you do today with a message like this? If you go out of here today and basically just say, yeah, that was a good message and nothing happens within you and you don't do anything, it's almost like you've been given gold and you don't realise it's gold and you just put it over there and forgotten about it. It's like forgetting about Jesus over Christmas. You know, how many pastors implore people just to take a moment to think of Jesus? I say, think about him all, all Christmas and beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond. So one pastor was talking to a store manager at a massive department store and he said something like, the manager says, tomorrow, the day after Christmas, my job is to get all of Christmas out of my store. This pastor says, my job is to keep it in their hearts for the rest of the year. You need to do something with this. We have this amazing God who, who is with us, who has come to save us. We've all missed the mark. We've all not quite got it. And it's messed us all up. And we've messed other people up and they've messed us up. We're all a mess. But God saves us. He rescues us. He heals us. He delivers us. He does all of that. And it starts with this baby 2,000 years ago. And we're celebrating that. So the invitation is there when God's Son was born in this world to respond to him and enter into this incredible relationship. I want to say to you today, if you haven't entered into that relationship with Jesus, if you've been politely ignoring the invitation or hoping he doesn't notice you, I want to tell you he does. Today is the day to say, yep. In a sense, I give up, and yet I'll be free. So if that's you today, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm going to ask you to, before God, to say, yeah, God, I'm going to accept your invitation, and I'm going to do something with that. And this, e this Easter, goodness you know, I can't separate Easter and Christmas or Christmas from Easter. This Christmas, this is the time to be thinking about him. And here's a prayer. Here's a prayer. Okay, you're going to pray with this with me. Okay, pray this with me. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and hound me this Christmas. Bug me this Christmas. Be at me this Christmas that I'm always aware that God is with us. That Jesus, you are Emmanuel.
This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.